Well, so it's Easter Sunday, and you're all here in your Easter outfits, and you've got plans. You've got expectations as to what today is going to be like. You, you expect to come to church and hear some good music and sing some hymns and then listen to the old guy talk about an empty tomb again, and then you're going to go off to lunch somewhere maybe, or maybe you have a big family gathering, and, and maybe there's a nap in your future sometime today. But, but you have expectations. So our text today in Matthew 28, the Marys that were going to the tomb had expectations, and they weren't particularly good. Their expectation was that they were going to anoint the body of this guy they've been following around for three years, and they thought that it was all over, that this was the end. But their expectations were shattered when they got there. There was an earthquake. There was lightning. An angel came down and said, what all angels say, do not be afraid. He is not here. The tomb is empty. You know what I get from this text? That our God specializes in doing the unexpected. Our, our God resurrects the dead. You know, I wonder, I wonder why we are not more shocked and amazed by the story. I mean, the tomb is empty. A guy is dead and the tomb is empty. And I hope you notice that in the Gospel of Matthew, he takes great care in the whole narrative to make sure that there are Roman guards outside the tomb. In the Gospel of Matthew, he places them immediately upon Jesus' burial in the tomb. They roll it shut, and the Roman guards are present. When the Marys come, the Roman guards are present. There was a rumor that was going around in the early church that were the, the people that were against the early church, that the disciples had gone in and stolen the body, that Jesus was in fact not resurrected, but the disciples had been at work. Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, in his version of that, it's impossible to have happened because the guards are present, and that was important to the author of the Gospel of Matthew. So the women have these expectations. They come to the tomb, and it's empty. And there's some things that happen in the Bible that I just, like, kind of make me shake my head because it's like, what? Jesus just appears to them. They don't see him coming off. They don't mistake him for the gardener. It's just Jesus appears like I dream of genie or something. Bing! He's there. And he says, greetings. Like it's no big deal. Like he just saw them two days ago. You know, if it was College Station, it'd be something like, howdy. I knew I'd get a few of those. <laughs> and so why are we not more shocked and amazed by this story? 
Is it because we talk about it every year at Easter? Somebody was dead, was resurrected. I mean, think about if that happened to you. Imagine yourself at a funeral. The guy's dead and buried, and he pops out of the tomb, or out of the casket, and says, greeting, y'all. You'd be shocked and amazed, wouldn't you? I hope that's never happened to you. I've, I've had something close happen to me. So I was pastoring a church, and I was getting ready to go on a two-week vacation with my family. I was going to miss two Sundays, so I'd, I'd, three Sundays I'd be back. And there was a, an elderly man that was in the hospital. He was 92 years old. He was a World War II veteran. He had served throughout the whole of the South Pacific, served in every major battle in the South Pacific. His wife had died about five years before, and I went to see him right before we left for our vacation. And he was in so much pain. They, they couldn't stop the pain. And um, as he was sort of gasping for breath, he said, Mike, I want you to pray with me to die. I'm 92. I'm tired. I want to see my wife. I'm done. And, and so I did. I mean, it's not a prayer that we pastors pray very often, but I really felt like it was appropriate. And, and so I prayed, God, if it's your will, welcome this man home. Let him be reunited with his wife shield him from this pain. And so I left on vacation. Had a great time. Went fly fishing with my kids. It was awesome. We came rolling in late Saturday night. I showed up at church on Sunday morning. And who was in the coffee shop, sitting, drinking coffee? The man who I had prayed to die. Imagine my surprise. I'm glad my prayer didn't work. He lived another three or four years and was great. This man would come to our contemporary service. I'm convinced he turned his hearing aids down and he would drink coffee in our little coffee shop and just smile and laugh at the children and the youth while being children and youth. But I was so surprised that Sunday morning to see him there. You see, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. The fact that it is an empty tomb changes the world. When Jesus was resurrected, when he overcame death, so did we. Because he was resurrected, our sin is washed from our lives. Because he was resurrected, we don't have to fear death. Because he was resurrected, the kingdom of God entered earth. The kingdom of God began at his resurrection. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Mike, 
world's pretty rotten right now. We're still having wars. We're still killing each other. People still doing unspeakable things to other people. How can this be the kingdom of God? The fact is, it's not yet fully here. Jesus' resurrection ushered in the first part of the kingdom of God, but sin remains. The consequences of sin remains. But those who are followers of Jesus don't have to fear death. We're washed clean of our sin. Those of us that are followers of Jesus, we believe that there is a time when Jesus will return and the kingdom of God will then come fully to the earth. We read about that in the book of Revelation. Matthew talks about it. Paul talks a lot about it. Luke talks about it. Mark alludes to it. We believe that there is a time when Jesus is coming back and the kingdom of God comes fully with it. We're going to read a text from the book of Revelation. Now, I will tell you I have read and studied on the book of Revelation, and I have it all figured out. Really? If anybody tells you they've got the book of Revelation figured out, just turn around and run the other way. It, it's, it's, it's a vision that somebody has, John of Patmos has, and I mean, it's hard to make heads or tails of it. It's hard to really understand. So I will give you a summary of the book of Revelation. God wins. That's really all you need to know about the book of Revelation. I mean, we use that sometimes to try to figure out when Jesus is coming back. But the truth of it is, Jesus told us, nobody's going to know. So I don't think the book of Revelation will be helpful for that. But I think it is great at informing us what the kingdom of God will look like when it comes fully. So we're looking at the 21st chapter of Revelation, verses 1 through 4. Hear these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. This, this is what the full coming of the kingdom of God looks like. So this picture that you're looking at is the earliest picture, the earliest known picture of Jesus' 
returning. This comes from a, a mosaic in an apse in a church in Rome called Santa Pudenziana. It's a mosaic, so those are all little tiles. 394 it was made. And this is a depiction of Jesus coming down at his second coming. You in your sanctuary have something similar to this up at the top of the stained glass. You see that building, those buildings up there? That's the new Jerusalem coming down at the second coming of Jesus. But this is the earliest depiction of this. And it's really interesting. You have 10 disciples there. I don't know where the 11th is, but there's 10 here. Um, the one on the left is thought to be Peter. The one on the right is thought to be Paul. You see that crowns of victory are being placed on their heads. You have across the top these four winged beasts, which are kind of uh, an allusion to the winged beasts that are in the book of Revelation and in the book of Ezekiel, that they don't quite look like them. Um, it also could be a depiction of the four Gospels, because each Gospel writer has a symbol that's associated with him. And you see that Jesus is seated on his judgment seat, and he's coming down. Those buildings in the back, one is the Church of the Ascension, the other is the Church of the Nativity. So in this, you see the whole grasp of Jesus' life, his birth, his death. It's believed that he's sitting at the church of the, where the empty tomb is. And then you have the ascension, the completion of his work. This day is coming. Don't know when. Don't know how. But this day... It's coming. But this is just one picture of what this might look like. I, I can't tell you what it's going to look like. So, God has won. We don't have to fear death anymore as followers of Jesus. This is sort of like a mopping up action, actually because God's already won. So, so what are we supposed to do in this time in between? This time between the, the beginning of the kingdom of God at Jesus' resurrection and the second coming. Are we supposed to sit around and wring our hands and say, oh, hurry up, Lord Jesus, it's getting really bad down here? No. Jesus makes it clear with the way he lived his life, with the things that he taught his disciples and us, that being a follower of Jesus Christ is a way of life. It's a way of living. And we as followers of Jesus Christ are, are to do the things that Jesus taught us to do. Things like love God and our neighbor, with all our heart, mind, and soul. Things like feed the hungry. Things like heal the sick. Things like he told him at the great commandment, 
Go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to be about in this in-between time. For those that have faith in Jesus Christ and his earthly life, we have work to do. It's our job to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community at a minimum, maybe around the world. And so my question for you today is how are you doing? in this in-between time? Are you living out the things that Jesus has taught us to do? People, the kingdom of God is here. It's not yet fully here, but it is here. And we are to be about its business. We are to be about its work. Our faith in Christ is not a golden ticket to heaven. Our faith in Christ is not a fire insurance policy in case this really happened. Our faith in Christ is a living, breathing thing. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus being a follower of Jesus means loving God and neighbor, which sometimes can be a little hard. That's still your calling. That's still your mission. That's still what you are called to do as one who is a follower of Jesus the Christ, one who claims forgiveness one who claims eternal life. The kingdom of God, it's here. It's time for you, all of us, to get busy sharing the good news that salvation has come, that the kingdom of God is here, that death been conquered forever. Let's get busy. Start today. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so grateful that the tomb is empty. We celebrate this day. We also celebrate the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus, that he would come to earth become one of us, walk amongst us, and die that we might live. Oh, God, it's such a mystery to us. But we say yes to the forgiveness of our sin. We say yes to life everlasting. We say yes to a life of presence in your presence. Father, let us, let this church be a beacon of your love and your grace for all in this community to see and to feel. Father, make us passionate about sharing the good news 
that God has won. Salvation is at hand. Make us bold to share that news with all around us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.